Greetings everybody. It's such a blessing for me to come to you today and just bring you the gospel of God's grace. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, uh, which gives us so much hope from where we have a brand new life. Uh, it is awesome just to see the goodness of God revealed in Jesus. I would like to welcome everyone that is watching this live stream. Thank you for slotting in and uh, just switching that computer, telephone, tablet, whatsoever on or what, whatever it is on and uh, just joining in as a web family. It's wonderful to think that there are people all over the world sitting and, <coughs> excuse me, and just uh, at the same time with a mindset of a church family and listening to the Word of God. Uh, that's awesome. So I want to welcome you. If you're a first-time viewer, I want to say to you that this online web church is all about the resurrection message of Jesus. It's all about what He has done for us. It's all about the, the grace of God. It's not a sin-conscious, works-conscious message wherein we are trying to get people to adapt to Christian living. It's all about knowing what God has done in Jesus and then from there having a life born from the goodness of God. Now, our custom here is to have communion together. And as we have communion together, we are meditating on the finished work of Jesus. And uh, we thanking God for His body and His blood, which is basically to me talking about His life, His whole passion, everything that He came to do for us. Now, the passage I'm going to read today is from Isaiah 61. But before that, let us just pray together as we start this service. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you that you speak powerfully through me. Holy Spirit, thank you that you will just touch people's lives with the good news, the power of the resurrection today. Amen. I'm going to read from Isaiah 61 verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This now talks about Jesus. It says, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberation or liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, and this is what this whole verse 1 is about, it is the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord the day of the vengeance of our God, and it comforts all who mourn. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? And what he's saying here is that the Spirit of the Lord God was upon Jesus, and he has anointed him to preach glad tidings, or it says there, uh, uh, expressions that comes by passionate joy, um, glad tidings unto the meek. He sent them to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, if you think of liberty to the captives, that explains the next verse so clearly that it's an acceptable year of the Lord, the year of deliverance, but also a day of vengeance where God takes vengeance on what took man captive. Glory to God. And uh, that's what Jesus has come, come to do. So Jesus is saying that he's come to proclaim a year or a time which is the acceptable here of the Lord, the, 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 the day of the vengeance of our God, which is unto your comfort. Now listen to this. 
to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. I was thinking on this beauty for ashes. Um, if we think of ashes today and we think of the creation of man, the Bible says that Adam was made of the dust of the earth. And the dust, the word dust there means a gray powder. And that, that is what you see ashes. And what we think of ashes, especially in, the, uh, in most of the ways uh, in the Western world where people, when they die, they get cremated, they think of death. It's death, something was alive and it got burnt to ashes. Its life is completely destroyed. So uh, we find the, the ugliness of death knocking at our door all the time. But what Jesus is saying here is, says, I, I've appointed unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So there was, there was a, a mourning uh, and he came to give the oil of joy. He came to give beauty for ashes. The beauty of the resurrection, that is it. Death is not beautiful, but the resurrection is beautiful. And that is what God has come to give us. You know, no, never will we believe that God is our Father outside of the resurrection. Because that's when we can see in an immortal, undying body that Jesus, or that God is truly the Father of Jesus. And as we call upon that and we see our inclusion there, we can also believe God is our Father. Hallelujah. That is beautiful. So I want to say to you, when it comes to the communion, um, let's think of what Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So when, he, when, he, when His body was broken, why was His body broken? So that He can explain to us that the bondage of sin and death is broken over us, that we can be born again from a new and living hope, that we can be born again from the Word of God, the, which is the incorruptible seed, which is the message of our glorification. Hallelujah. So when we take the bread and we take the wine, we think what God has done for us. Father, I want to thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you for your obedience, even uh, the obedience unto death. And as we take this communion together as a wet family, we are celebrating our union with you. We are celebrating our union with each other. We are celebrating the fact that we are living stones in this building of God, and that we are alive, and yet we will see what we truly are in the day of the Lord. Thank you that we can celebrate our union with you, God. Amen. Let us enjoy the communion together. You are our home. You're the place we lay our heads, and you're where we go for rest. You are our hope. You're the place that we run to, and you're the one that we hold on to. There's no other who could love us like you do. There's no other. Ever take the place of you
Now all of our fears are laid to rest And all that we are is yours And all that we have is in your hands What a beautiful sound for you to welcome us home shelter from the storm and you're the one that keeps us near you there's no other who can love us like you do there's no other who could ever take the place of you Today we are continuing to talk on the message of being born again, what that actually means. What is this all about? And we're going to talk about the new birth and how our lives get sanctified uh, from the perspective of the resurrection. Now, I want to start off by telling you that you don't need escape or salvation from your body. Uh, that is not what God had in mind. What God had in mind for us was not an escape from our bodies. What God had in mind for us was for our bodies to be saved. That is what it's all about. It was all about our bodies being saved. So uh, I've got good news for you. You don't have to go anywhere. It is all about God saving your body from death and whatever destroys it. And he has been victorious in conquering uh, sin and death in a human body and he's come to give us life. And he has brought that victory forth and now he's implementing it by the Holy Spirit in the lives of those that believe upon him. Now I want to just read a passage from Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> this is well known. It says here in Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now listen to this. 
For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 3 again, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So what does it say here? It says that God condemned sin in the flesh. Doesn't didn't say that he condemned the flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, the context of condemnation here is death. He has destroyed or killed death in the flesh so that we who are in the physical can actually not see condemnation anymore but that we can have life. Now, how did He condemn sin in the flesh? In raising Jesus from the dead and in providing a system whereby man can live, which is called belief in God and not his own works. Now, uh, let us go to a passage in Peter, 1 Peter. And this is such a powerful passage in 1 Peter. It is talking about um, why is my, here it is. First Peter, it is, it's talking about an inheritance that is incorruptible. And what I'm going to explain to you today is that we can have a confident expectation of a brand new life. And in this expectation, we are having um, a, a, a life born in the here and now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That is clean and that is holy, and that is in line with the very person of God. I've said in the last three messages, what I basically said is that the new birth is not the birth of your spirit. In other words, what I said was it's not about your spirit being born again. It is all about the uh, new birth of your body. In other words, the restoration of your physical body. That is what it is all about. It's about the restoration of that body. That's what He's come to give us, glory to God. Now, the restoration of that physical body in, uh, we find in John chapter 3 when Jesus clearly said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And that, th that new birth, what Nicodemus understood it to be was that he, he had to be physically born. He had to have um, a new father, if you want to call it like that. And we now know that God has come and He has raised us again unto the adoption. He has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, adopted Him as His Son, and now we can also have that adoption. And we sit with two things there. We sit with a natural birth and we also sit with the adoption. And in the church... There's a difficulty to understand those things. We don't understand those things. It's, it's difficult to, um, to understand the difference between a, a birth, believing in Jesus, the being born again, and then also an adoption. And I'm thinking, let me just use a few minutes just to explain what that is. You first get your natural birth that comes from your parents. And that, born like that, you are a human. And you are... Uh, in the image of God. I don't believe you are the image of God, 
Jesus is that, but you are in the image of God, meaning that you are the God kind. That's a human being. Then you find that uh, a born-again experience, that is when you believe in Jesus and you find your life is changing, which we're actually going to talk about today. And then you find the Bible talks about the adoption. What is the adoption? The adoption is actually when your physical body is made immortal and your physical body is adopted physically as, as being born of God, when your physical body is born of God. Not where the life that you live today is born of God, but where your physical body is born of God, when you are begotten from the dead. Now Jesus had the very same thing. He was made of Mary, he believed in the Father, and he had a hope of being raised from the dead. And this hope of Jesus being raised from the dead shaped his whole life. It shaped where he went, it shaped what he did, it shaped everything, this hope that he had. He believed that he was the Messiah, and he believed that the Father would raise him from the dead, that he has come to conquer sin and death. This hope that he, have, ha, that he had gave him a certain life while living in his physical body prior to the cross and the resurrection. And then after the resurrection, Jesus himself was adopted as the Son of God or begotten in his physical body as the Son of God. So there's three things. Physical birth, a change in life because of an belief that you will be adopted and that we call the born-again experience and then we get the adoption which all of us are waiting for amen now i'm gonna today talk about how the born-again experience is experienced and how we find purity of our souls in the expectation of the adoption. Okay, now, uh, this morning someone said to me, and I've had this said many times to me, says, Bertie, if your message can just be less technical, you know, it will be easier for us to, uh, easier for us. Now, let me put it this way. You might have a very feel-good feeling wherein I tell you how much God loves you, and you might feel, oh, I am loved, and uh, God is fond of me, He's dreamt me before the foundation of the world, He's is, is loved on me, I'm special, I'm his kind, and all those kind of things, which is good and true and amen, which I would mention basically in every message. Yet on the other side, when you start to understand things, that part which, which we would call basically the emotional part, the part where you feel the love of God and you think on the dimensions of his love is enhanced and made much greater because you understand. Let me use an example for that. If my child comes, <coughs> uh, let's, say my, let's say I become a grandfather and my grandkids 10 years from now come to me and they say to me, well, we are in a democracy. We are in a new South Africa. And I would say to them, yes, you are. And they would experience the benefits of a new South Africa. There'll be a, a democracy. It wouldn't be like the old oppression. Um, there will be certain benefits that it would be for them in, in being in a democracy. Now, 
if, if I go and say to them, let me explain to you what this is all about. I was born under the apartheid era. I grew up under the apartheid era. Let me tell you what it was like, what my view is on why it is here. And let me tell you what happened in 1994-95 and take him also to an old um, black guy and let him speak to that person and hear his experience and what took place and all of that. As they hear and understand that in the history of the Anglo-Boer War and what took place there and all of the history, as they, that kid start to understand the history and understand how the democracy was formed, he will un actually appreciate that democracy so much more, understand so much more what it truly is. It's like going to the language monument in South Africa and Paul. If you go to the monument, that monument only finds its power. I mean, you can know it's there. You can see its beauty. But if you go there and you read all about it, you start to understand what it's about. And all of a sudden, that monument becomes a monument in your life. And you start to feel with it. You start to have a life born from it. It is just so much more powerful when you understand it. So... In the very same way, we find in the scripture that there are things that sound technical, but when you understand that, it frees up your life. It takes your life that feels in bondage and it frees it up. And I've heard testimony upon testimony on that. Now I want to give you very good advice as we get into this message. I want to give you very good advice. Whenever you hear something that your spirit says, there's some truth there, or in your heart you feel there's some truth there, but you don't always understand it, the best thing to go and do is go and pray. Ask God. Say, God, I want you to teach me this. I want you to show me this. And that is the quickest way you're going to have God bring forth understanding and enlightened mind in that area in your life. Okay, so the first thing we said is, we are born from our physical parents. Then we have a born-again experience uh, where we find my life is being made new now. And that is something that happens to you when you expect to be adopted. Now, maybe you've never heard it like that. I've never preached it like that, although I've used other words to explain it. But this is what it is. There is an adoption. That adoption is the salvation of our bodies. As we believe unto the salvation of our bodies, which is uh, the manifestation of immortality and having the fullness of God manifested in our mortal bodies, consuming mortality, as we expect that and have faith that that will take place, called hope, we are born, our lives now are born from that experience. So we would have a physical birth from the dead and that is called the adoption. So we were born from our parents, but we will be born from the dead. Those who expect this birth from the dead based on the resurrected Jesus, they today have a life 
born again. In other words, the experience of life right now is all of a sudden not born anymore from the fearful expectation of death, but from the hopeful expectation of the resurrection. And that's how it works. Now I want us to go and read 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, and I want to read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a new and living hope. So God came and He has begotten us again. He has given birth to a brand new life in us. How? Unto a new and living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what Peter is saying is, is that God made it possible for you to have a brand new life today in raising Jesus from the dead and giving you the hope of that resurrection. So I want to say to you, the way wherein you're going to have a brand new life today, the way wherein you're going to have a life that is full of love, and we're going to look at that passage now, full of love, especially love for your neighbor, love for the brethren, is on account of having a confident expectation that your body will be born from the dead. So your body was born from your mother, but your body will be born from the dead, wherein God will be the father of your body. As you have that expectation, you find that the Spirit is now brings forth a new life in you and your life, the life that you live now, your emotions, your passions, your actions, your generosity, your kindness and all of that is not anymore born from obedience to scriptures, but it is born from a hope that you have. Glory to God. And that is what he's saying here. Let's read it again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved for you in heaven. Now it says, Who we, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Let's read verse 5 again. Those of you that have Bibles with you, do yourself a favor, pause this video right now, and then you take your Bible and you open it to 1 Peter 1 verse 5. It says there, that verse 4 says that we have an inheritance, and then it says this inheritance is reserved for us who are kept by the power of God. How are you kept? That word kept there means to be protected from temptation, to be protected from um, the, the fruit of the flesh, basically. We are kept through faith unto salvation. So how are we kept today? We are kept by having a persuasion that our bodies shall be saved from physical death and that our bodies will be born again in the resurrection. That is what that passage is teaching us. Let's read it again. He says, He has begotten us again, that begotten us again, unto a new and living hope. In other words, Jesus was raised from the dead, 
and we were now begotten unto a new and living hope. We're not expecting death anymore, we're expecting life. And from there we're having a brand new life. In this life are many things that want to destroy our lives. It says that we have now uh, 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 attained an inheritance that we shall receive one day. We shall receive it one day. We can't have it right now. We shall receive it one day. He says, but in the meantime, we are kept safe by the power of God. How? Through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, church, that's very, very important. That's a very important passage. Now, I want us to go over that again. What keeps you safe, and this is what everybody wants to hear. What will help me today? What's going to help me today that I love my wife? What's going to help me today that I'm kind to my children? What's going to help me today <coughs> that I live and experience the fruit of the Spirit? What's going to help you today is faith unto salvation. It's called hope. The hope of the resurrection of the physical body, the expectation that your body will be adopted. What that means is, and I know I'm repeating myself, what that means is you've had your earthly parents and from there they were the parents, the father or the mother of your body. But there'll come a day, like in the day of Jesus, where his body was born from the dead and Jesus was shown to be the Son of God in His physical body. Jesus believed that would take place and because of that joy that was set before Him, which was the resurrection, He could endure the cross. So what kept Jesus safe from the cross being too much for Him? What kept Jesus safe from the beating being too much for him? What caused Jesus to have to basically endure? It was the hope of the resurrection. And this is what this passage is saying. It says, we are kept by the power of God. I don't want to be kept by the power of my will. I don't want to be kept by, uh, 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 you know, trying to obey scriptures. I want to be kept by the power of God in the fruit of the Spirit. How? By simply expecting the adoption of our bodies by Peter, it's called, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's something that has not been revealed yet. Now, um, let us go to 1 Peter 1 verse... 21. 1 Peter 1, 21. Those of you that have Bibles, you can open it there. You know, I was, uh, uh, Henry came to me. This is now, uh, most of you know Henry is my uh, red-haired son. And he, he came to me and he said to me, Dad, uh, you always said that every scripture you must interpret that in the light of the resurrection of Jesus, that everything is pointing to the resurrection at the end of the day. And he went online and he typed in, what are the 10 most famous passages quoted um, by people that's recorded in the Bible? And he took the 10 passages and he said, I'm I went 
to these 10 passages to look at every passage to see if I can see the resurrection of Jesus Christ in there or how it pertains to the resurrection. And it was amazing to see the revelation that he came forth with, the, the absolute uh, uh, truth that he started to share there. Even one of the passages uh, talks about the vengeance of God and all those kind of things and how you gather up vengeance for, for the day of vengeance and all of that. And he came with the most beautiful revelation on those things simply from the perspective of, I want to see the, the message that was from the beginning, which is you will be adopted. And from there you could see enlightenment came. So I want to say to you, as, as you have a Bible, many of us are scared of our Bibles because we have been so, uh, 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 we read so much condemnation. But go and read it from that perspective, from the perspective of the resurrection, and you will see what comes forth. Here it says in verse 21, uh, Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure, with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now let's read uh, verse, uh, nine, verse 19. <clears throat> but with the precious blood, talks about we have been redeemed, with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last days for you. Who by him... Do you believe in God? Whom by Him do believe in God that raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And then he goes on and he says you, how you've purified your souls. He says you believed that Jesus was raised from the dead and that purified your soul, now you are born again. It says you're seeing you have purified your souls. In verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. So in other words, what he's saying is, and this passage sometimes I, uh, I find in my, myself that Peter and Paul and those people wrote very difficult, but... If you take the Greek and it took what they said there and thousands of years in between there and now, it might sound very difficult, but it's actually a simple way of saying the following. He was saying, listen guys, you purified, your lives got purified when you believed in the message of incorruptibility as pertaining to the physical body. That is what he's saying. So what he says here, he says, and now since you believed in the resurrected Jesus and you now believe in the God that raised Jesus from the dead and you've got faith that Jesus was raised and you've got the hope that the God that raised Christ 
will also give you incorruptibility. He says you have purified your souls or your lives unto lives, which is not about seeing what you can get, but a life which is all about loving others. So how do you purify your life, Peter says? How do you get your life, your soul? Please don't think of your soul as something deep inside you. Think of your soul as your life in this world. How do you purify your life? How is our lives purified? By hearing the message of the Word of God, which is the message of incorruptibility of a human body. Let us read it. It says here, seeing you have, verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So my soul was purified when I believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. How was my, my, my soul purified? My soul was purified by, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love. So what he's saying is, when I believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, my spirit was, or the Spirit of God came and purified my life, and the power of the resurrection of Jesus came and actually brought forth a brand new life in me. That's what it's all about. Let us read it again. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, seeing that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again. In other words, I'm having a brand new life not of corruptible seed or a word of our corruption, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now it doesn't talk about the Bible there. It talks about the word of God, which is that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that word is a message going to you that's telling you, you can await the adoption, the salvation of your body. And this word of incorruptibility, which can never pass away because Jesus was raised from the dead, this word, from that word, my life is born again by the Holy Spirit unto a life of living in love. So can you see that no law is needed for us to live a holy life? Because the way God did, did the whole thing was this way. People are born from their parents. These people need to, need to have the fear of death taken away from them. Because if the fear of death is taken away from them, they will not try to hoard things up all their time. They will not try to find their identity in what they drive, where they stay, all those kind of things. They will not find their identity in how many wrinkles they have in their face. They will not try and find their identity in how much they weigh. They will not try to find their identity in their clothes or any of those things and because they are actually afraid of death. They will find, if we can give unto them the hope of immortality, they will find their identity, since they want eternal life, in the resurrected Jesus. And as their identity is now found and their hope is found in the resurrection, they will not try and preserve their own lives. And in doing that, 
They're not killing themselves anymore by their wrong understanding of what salvation is and, on how, and how to, to, to be saved. But it would be the Spirit of God that actually brings forth a brand new life in them. That is what he's saying. Let's read it again. He says in verse 19 that we've been redeemed, we've been set free by the blood of Jesus that had no blemish, that is without spot. This Jesus was foreordained from before the foundation of the world, but manifest in the last days and through Him we can believe and trust in God and we have faith and hope in God, we have the faith that God raised Jesus from the dead and we've got the hope that we shall also be raised and in believing this, we've obeyed the truth and now our souls are purified. You see church, the reason why God gave Jesus, the reason why the apostle preached the resurrection, the reason why Jesus was raised from the dead is so that you can be begotten unto a brand new life. That you can be partakers of living in love, living in kindness, living in peace, living without stress, having the Spirit of God give life to you. That is why Jesus was raised. That's why the apostles preached it. That's why I'm preaching this message unto you. I'm not preaching this message of the resurrection unto you to be controversial. I'm preaching this message of the resurrection unto you for those who believe unto a bodily adoption, a bodily resurrection, find that the Spirit brings forth and brings forth a brand new life in them today and that the power of God keeps you. It keeps you safe. Glory to God. Amen. It keeps you safe. It says you're being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which is the message of His mercy, which is the message of His resurrection, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of God, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message of the resurrection. And this word of the gospel which is preached unto you is the message that Jesus was raised from the dead, my friend. And this message that Jesus was raised from the dead is the word of our incorruptibility or bodily incorruptibility. If you believe that you are just a spirit, and this is the thing, I've, I find it, and I don't want to point fingers to other preachers, but just hear what I'm saying. The moment we still preach, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, your spirit is born again. That is not what, oh my goodness, that is not what the new birth means. <laughs> The new birth, born again here, is talking about the purification of your life unto a life of love. That's what he's talking about. And that new birth of 
living a new life in this world is on account of the physical birth of your body that will take place in the day of Jesus when He returns, when you are raised from the dead. So as you believe that your body will be adopted, your life is changed today. Your life is born from the expectation of bodily immortality. That is the word of our incorruptibility. It is the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus. I don't think we have understood the message of the message of the physical resurrection for what it truly is. And that is why I believe a lot of us are without the power of God in our lives. You know, that is, it is a problem. We need to understand what, what that is. So, back to the point I'm trying to make. Do you believe that you still a spirit? You have a soul which you think is just your mind and you live in a body. You will be so tempted to get back into the law because you are not kept by the power of God. For those who, who see their inheritance as incorruptibility in a human body, which Jesus did not see corruption. His body did not see corruption. Those of us who have that hope, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We have, we have defined faith unto salvation as faith that we will go to heaven. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches salvation as our bodies that will be saved from death. That is what it teaches. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to see this whole thing there as well. Let's read from verse 18, and we're going to see what Paul's talking about here. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings, this is Romans 8, 18. Let us rather read from verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So what he's saying is that when you believe in the adoption, which is the new birth of your physical body unto an immortal body by the resurrection, there's a spirit associated with that. That spirit of that adoption, by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit bearing witness with the spirit wherein we live here, the attitude we live in here, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. For I reckoned, now talking about the keeping, keeping safe from the things of this world. So Paul has got this mindset. Well, I will be raised. I'm going to be glorified. And he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Can you see how the Spirit is keeping him now in giving him a new mindset? 
For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for the adoption. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first effect or the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, comma, to wit or to witness the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, in this way, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. <laughs> Can you see it? How is our weakness in this life helped? How's your weakness? Because you have weaknesses, I have weaknesses. How's our weakness helped? Paul says that in the waiting, in the hope for the adoption, we are saved. This is what he says. Verse 24, for we are saved by hope. We are today saved from our weaknesses today. You might have a weak, an alcohol weakness. You might have a drug weakness. You might have a, a sex weakness. You might have whatever weakness you can have. You know, depression weakness, whatever weakness you have. He says here that we, by sa verse 24, for we are saved by hope. Another word is we are born into a new life today by the hope of the bodily new birth or the adoption. That's what verse 23 says. Let's read verse 23 again. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to witness the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. So it says we are groaning. We are groaning. And now he's talking about this groaning here. He says, likewise the Spirit also help our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints knowing the will of God. So what is happening here? He says, inside us we find a growing, groaning, and that is the Holy Spirit inside us, helping us and aiding us in the times of being persecuted, in the times of having sufferings now, in the times of needing salvation from certain things in the flesh, and so forth. And all of that happens because we are born again by the Word of God, which is the gospel of our bodily incorruptibility. That is what it's all about. Glory to God. Isn't that 
absolutely beautiful, absolutely powerful. That's what this is all about. Now, I want to read a passage to you, and I'm going to end off with, um, with explaining these. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now, I've said all of that so that we can just understand that one verse. It says, But as many as believed upon the resurrected Jesus, that is what it's talking about. Says, but as many as believed as many as received him, grabbed a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, lambano, that's what it means. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. What that means is, in this context, is those who receive Jesus, they have the power of the Holy Spirit to actually have their physical bodies born, from physical, born out of physical death, born from God, to have immortality. That's what it is. It says, these are those who believe upon His name, which now today were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld this Word of incorruptibility. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. So what he's saying here, John is saying that there was a word of incorruptibility, bodily incorruptibility. The Bible says here that this word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And this word that dwelt amongst us looked like the only begotten of God. So what is the word that was made flesh that dwelt amongst us? He's referring to the resurrected Jesus that came, he's the only begotten of God, he came and dwelt amongst us, and he is now the word of human incorruptibility on account of God bringing that forth in man. We who believe on his name, which is him saving us from our sin and death, we are now born again, we have our lives now born of God. And those who have their lives today born of God, they've got a confident expectation that born of God today is already a sign of the birth that will take place or the, the adoption is the right word. The born again of your physical body in the last day when Jesus comes back. So I want to say to you, you might say, and I'm ending off with this, that it might not be <coughs> that important to understand the physical resurrection. I want to say to you, and this sounds very radical, but you cannot walk in the power of God. You're not understanding early Christianity if you are not believing this. If this is not what it all revolves around. It's all about the resurrection. It's all about the hope of a bodily resurrection for yourself. And then the life that comes from having that hope called the power of the Holy Spirit in your life today, wherein the Spirit makes intercession, wherein the Spirit aids us and helps us, wherein it is not us who resists sin, but it is the Spirit of God, God that resists it in us. All we do is we have faith in God and we have hope of the resurrection. And that's it. Glory to God. Amen. I want to thank you so much for slotting in. 
I would like to pray for people right now, people that have got sickness in their bodies. You might have sickness in your body. You know what the Bible says, God will bring forth signs, wonders, and miracles, signs unto this resurrection. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hands and, and that I can sit here and I lift my hands to the Almighty God and to what He's done in praise to you. And I thank you, Father, that you stretch forth your hand to do signs, wonders, and miracles amongst these people. And that you touch those that watch his lives right now with miracles manifesting in their bodies, healings in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, healing of the intestines, healing of everything that, that just brings sickness to people's bodies. You heal their bodies as a sign of the bodily resurrection that we can now, by the Spirit, have the first fruit of the bodily resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I can just see a bright light shining in these people's bodies right now in Jesus' mighty name. And I say to you, you are healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just, I just see somebody's hand on their wrist now. You are healed in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank somebody's holding their wrist. You are healed in Jesus' mighty name by the power of the Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. And many other sicknesses are being healed. Even problems with, 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 with uh, uh, fruit of the flesh is being healed supernaturally in the name of Jesus Christ. The way we are healed from sins is by a physical bodily resurrection. The issue is not spiritual. The issue is physical. And God has come and raised the physical Jesus. And as we believe upon that, the Spirit heals us. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much for watching. And uh, I will see you again in the week. God bless you.